0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Law Chats with John and Amy. I'm John Yulian. I'm
1: Amy Piliapico. This week's question is, what is a contempt in a divorce?
0: Amy, maybe I could start out with giving a couple examples of contempts. I think a very common one people are aware of is non-payment of child support or alimony. Those are very common contempts that are brought against the individual who's not paying the child support or alimony. Oh,
1: yeah, do you so, want to jump in? Yeah, so... <laughs> it um, looks
0: like you want to jump in, so feel free.
1: Um, so generally contempt is when there is a clear and unambiguous court order, say perhaps this person needs to pay $400 a week in child support to their ex-wife. And then the second part is that they have the ability to pay it. Um, so that that means, you know, you know, Joe Schmo was supposed to be paying his wife four hundred dollars a week. He's he's working. He has the money, but for some reason he's spending it on something else, or he's just fallen behind. That would be a case that could be contempt.
0: Um,
1: but not everyone actually has the ability to pay, and so that could be um, a reason, that, a justifiable reason, and, and when you wouldn't be in contempt. Do you want to maybe give a good example of that?
0: Sure. And and if we take the same Joe Schmo and Joe had lost his job and uh, was either now his income was reduced because he's getting unemployment or maybe he doesn't have a source of income, that could be a defense to a allegation of contempt. He, has, he hasn't had the ability to comply. Um, but what happens sometimes is someone, instead of paying part of the weekly obligation, will pay nothing. And when someone pays nothing, it is an awful tough argument to say you haven't had the ability to comply at some level, meaning, you know, sending some portion of the weekly amount um, and and being able to avoid the contempt. So just a word of caution for people who do um, literally pay nothing. um, You will have a very difficult time convincing a judge that you're really doing the best you can and uh, shouldn't be held in contempt.
1: Um, and then part of that is we said that the order needs to be clear and unambiguous and that could be a court order. It could be part of your divorce separation agreement. And so sometimes we have people come in and say, Hey, it says we're supposed to figure out who's paying what for college. Now that my kid's a senior in high school and we haven't been able to figure it out. That's not a contempt because the court order isn't clear. It doesn't say, you know, you know, person A has to pay 50%. It says you guys are going to figure it out. So that might be um, an issue where you're trying to find, you're trying to file a complaint for modification, um, which is something we can talk about in a later episode, but that would be, a, would not be a contempt
0: issue. Um, th- that's correct, Amy. And that's a good example of something where, and this goes on plenty of times, someone brings someone in on a contempt but the parties can't even agree on what the language was requiring. Well, it's pretty tough to hold someone in contempt if it's not even clear what they were obligated to do. In fact, if it's not clear what the person was supposed to do, they won't be found in uh, contempt. Um, The one other thing I think is important, Amy, is what the potential consequences are for a contempt, uh, which can include a certain time period for the person to correct, if it's non-payment, the arrears, um, the court ordering that someone have to come up with a certain amount immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, the court um, issues some type of repayment plan. But the most extreme penalty in, in a contempt is the person can be incarcerated. Now, that only happens, as I say, in extreme situations where I think the court um, is seeing someone repeatedly violate uh, the court order and and or ignore the court order, because I think any judge gets frustrated by that. But, you know, you can sense the cases um, when you hear them, and, and I've been involved, in, involved with them, where you have someone repeatedly defying the court order, because it can be the first time you bring someone in on a contempt, and they're behind, and the judge, you know, issues some type of order of how they need to rectify the situation or what's going to happen going forward. And sure enough, a couple months later, a few months later, whatever, you're back in court for a status update and the person still, you know, maybe uh, playing the same games, not uh, being honest, not disclosing their true financial situation. Once again, ignoring, defying the court orders, you know, and that's happening repeatedly. Um, You know, someone's really pushing their luck. And sooner or later the judge is going to be saying, you know, You're going to go two-time incarcerated, and you can purge yourself. That's the expression they use. You can avoid the um, incarceration by coming up with X amount of dollars immediately. And usually the person makes a quick phone call, and suddenly that money appears. But that's... That's
1: that's what I was going to say. I know that a couple times, wasn't our case, but on a different case, you'd come back, and um, magically the person... The judge will finish the case, have them sit in the back row with um, a court officer and tell them, you know, you've got till four o'clock till we drive you back over to jail. And um, they are texting on their phone and magically some friend or family members show up with the cash that they need.
0: Sure. Um, I remember um, one that always stood out to me, Amy, because I thought it was a, a good line by the judge. But the judge was frustrated with um, not our client, but the ex-spouse, and um, it was a contempt. And we'd been in a couple times, and I think the judge, rightfully so, was frustrated by the other other party. And the judge said, "If we're back here next time," and the judge was giving us another hearing date. And you have not complied with the order. Make sure you bring your toothbrush because you'll be needing it. Right? I mean, and I think the judge was making it very clear to the other side. Um, if you don't follow what I'm doing, you can plan on spending some time in incarcerate. So um, it's I'm, not not a fun not a fun thing. Um, no. uh, obviously, to not comply with court orders and and be taking your chances uh, on a contempt.
1: Also, I mean, if you're the person pursuing a contempt, it doesn't necessarily help you if the other party's in jail and not working. That's not going to magically get them to be able to come up with the money. Um, but as yeah. the judges have alluded to. knowing that you're going to jail that night is a nice motivator to get you to call everyone you know to come down to the courthouse. Um, So it is a possibility. One thing that um, we just didn't mention and I wanted to bring up as another penalty is um, attorney's fees.
0: And that's a great point, Amy. So when you go in on a contempt, you're basically going in claiming that the only reason you have this court proceeding is because the other side is ignoring or not following a court order. So when someone brings a contempt, it's almost a given they're going to be requesting their legal fees. And the in the argument is, I wouldn't have to have incurred these legal fees if the other side did what they were supposed to. Um, if the court finds a contempt, the court can order that um, uh, um, the person in contempt is also going to have to pay for the legal fee. So it is another reason to do your best to comply with the existing court orders and not run the risk of um, having to be brought in on a contempt but it is the one mechanism someone can enforce a court order when the other side is just not cooperating just you know ignoring their um uh their calls and so forth right and just disobeying the obligations 100 percent
1: um so The last thing we just want to talk about is the process for how how a contempt works. You file a contempt like you file a complaint for divorce. It's a complaint for contempt. Um, There's a standard form that you submit to the court. And like uh, filing a complaint for divorce, the court has to issue a summons, which doesn't get done right away. You hopefully get it in a week or two. The nice thing is, unlike in a complaint for divorce, When they issue the summons, they automatically give you a court date. But I will say we got a summons on the complaints today and our court date is the middle of April. So you're not getting in right away. (laughs) Um, And then you have a court hearing um, where the judge hopefully can issue an order or maybe you reach a stipulation. hey, I'm gonna get caught up in this amount of time, or it's not always that the person is behind on something. it could be that they were supposed to provide documents or, or whatever it was that they're not doing that they were supposed to do. Um, hopefully, either you're entering into an agreement that they're going to do it by a certain date or the judge is going to order them to do it by a certain date. Typically, you'd have a second hearing if the things can't get resolved. And then after that, if you still can't get resolved, you can have a trial on a complaint for contempt like you could a trial in a divorce. Um, oftentimes... In a divorce, there are their own separate complaints for contempt that people aren't complying with stipulations or temporary orders. And if you did have a trial in the divorce, they would try both issues at the same time.
0: Okay, Amy, I think that seems like a good place to wrap up for today.
1: Thank you for joining Law Chat with John and Amy. We look forward to chatting with you again next time. If you have a question or comment, feel free to email us at info at com. Remember that Law Chats with John and Amy is intended as a general reference and considered general advertising and listeners should check for changes to any applicable laws and consult with an attorney on any legal issue. The information provided does not constitute legal advice and any thoughts or commentary by the podcasting lawyers is provided as a service of the community and does not constitute solicitation of legal advice. The lawyers in the law firm of Yulian Associates, BC make no warranties and disclaim all liabilities for damages resulting from its use. Nothing provided in the podcast should be considered a substitute for advice from counsel. No attorney-client relationship is formed by listening or participating in this podcast, and in the event that the podcast receives emails about the subject matter, no attorney-client relationship is created via the email communication.